0: I had an interesting week. I received a long email from Kaiser uh, advising me of all the great benefits that I have as a member of Kaiser Senior Advantage. Any other Kaiser Senior Advantage people running loose? You probably got the same email um, either informing or reminding you of all the great low cost or no cost benefits that you have because you're a member of Kaiser Senior Advantage. The next day in the mail, I got a letter from my credit union. And they were writing to inform me of a missing benefit that I didn't know about, that I wasn't taking advantage of, that they're now offering me the benefit of low-cost life insurance. Well, let me give you a clue if you're under the age of 50. When you get to your 70s, there's no such thing as low-cost life insurance. That doesn't, but it's a benefit you can, you can pay for. It. And then someone sent me an email just a couple days ago. It might have been one of you. I couldn't track it back. It might have been a text message. The benefits of reaching 60 or being over 70 and headed toward 80. Did you even know there were benefits for us old dudes and dudesses over 60? Number one, this is a benefit you should take notes, if you're over 60 especially. Kidnappers are not very interested in you. Another benefit, in a hostage situation, you are likely to be released first. No one expects you to run anywhere. People call at 8 p.m. and ask, did I wake you up? That is so cruel. People no longer view you as a hypochondriac. All the evidence is in. Uh, Here's another benefit if you're over 60. There's nothing left to learn the hard way. Um, Things you buy now won't wear out. If only that were true. Uh, This is a benefit. Uh, You can eat supper at 5 p.m. without being criticized. And this last one really depresses me. Your supply of brain cells is finally down to a manageable size. (laughs) Have you ever thought about the benefits that you have, not from being over 60, but have you ever thought about all the benefits you have because you're a Christian? Have you ever thought about all the benefits you have because you've chosen to follow Jesus? What jumps into your mind when I say there are benefits? If I was trying to sell somebody this instead of my Kaiser Senior Advantage <laughs> stuff, there are benefits to being a follower of Jesus. What's the first thing that jumps into your mind? Eternal life. Eternal life. What else? Heaven. That's kind of the same thing, Steve. Um... <laughs> Sort of, kind of. I I think of other things like, you know, I was hoping somebody would say the word hope. Because why? Because our church exists for the purpose of helping people experience the hope that's found in a life-changing relationship with Jesus. There you go. And so I found myself thinking about benefits this week because I was bombarded with benefits kind of stuff. And if you come with me to Psalm 103 this morning, King David was meditating on the benefits that he had because of his relationship with God. King David was reflecting, I think, on um, what God had done for him I couldn't help but think about this as we were singing uh, the "God of Wonders Beyond Our Galaxy," and, and I just wondered as, I, as we were singing that song, I wonder if David was out in the field with his sheep, looking at the wonders of heaven and just reflecting and meditating on on the benefits he had because he was following Jesus. And so, Psalm 103. We're just going to look at the first half of it, or so. We'll take a quick drop it to the end, but. I want you to look at this passage and think of it in terms of benefits. And you and I have a multitude of benefits because of what Jesus has done for us. But listen to King David as he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. And we sang a song just a few minutes ago about God does good things. David could have been singing that song this morning with us. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. And he finishes the psalm calling on uh, angels to bless the Lord in verse 20. In verse 21, he calls on all the hosts of heaven who serve him to bless the Lord. Uh, Verse 22, bless the Lord, all you works of his hands. And he concludes again, bless the Lord, O my soul. And so I want you to think with me this morning. And there's kind of three big ideas that strike me as I reflect on this passage. And the first thing that strikes me is, how come, how come the first response to a question about the benefits we have, how come the first response wasn't the word forgiveness? That was David's first response. Bless the Lord, all my soul. All that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of His benefits. And what's the very first line? He pardons all of our iniquities. And so it strikes me, the first big idea that strikes me is that forgiveness is the first most basic benefit that you and I experience because of God's work in our lives. Forgiveness. And, and so David says, bless the Lord. That word to bless is the idea of to kneel down. And a couple of your translations, I think maybe New Living, NIV, I forget, uh, have the word praise instead of the word bless. Praise the Lord. The idea is to kneel down in surrender, kneel down in submission, kneel down in gratitude, and to bless the Lord. And and the psalmist says, David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless His holy name. And I found it fascinating that the word translated all isn't the normal word all that means kind of encompassing everything. It's a word that, said, that speaks of the nearest part, the core, the very center of your being. And so David is calling on himself, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and my very core, the very center of my meaning, my, my being. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And then he says, and forget none of his benefits. The word forget is an interesting word. It means to, to misplace something, to mislay it, to lay it down. Have you ever lost something in your life? Frequently. The older you get, the more frequent it is. Um, I have a place in our kitchen when I walk in the back door. My keys come out of my pocket. My wallet comes out. of my Everything in my pockets comes out. And I always sit them there on the breakfast bar right inside the slider, which is where I usually come and go. And so every once in a while, I'll go, and my keys aren't there. Where did my keys go? I don't remember where I put them. Tell me I'm not the only one that does that. You know, um, the, the idea is we forget it, it's been misplayed. It's, it's, it's not in the focus, it's not in the center of our attention. Um, We become oblivious to the truth of God's benefits because we don't keep them front and center. There's so much in life that distracts me, right? So much in life that that distracts me away. And David says, I want this to be the, the the model of my life, that I am blessing the Lord, submitting to the Lord, and I'm... Remembering, I'll put it in the more positive terms, remembering all of his benefits. That, that word benefits is basically the word deeds, acts, to remember what God has done. Did we sing that song a little while ago? He has done great things, and the good news is he will do great things, right? That's exactly what's going on here. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And so forgiveness, he says, he pardons... Our iniquities. It's number one on the list. First thing on the list. Psychologists tell us that forgiveness is one of the greatest needs in the life of every human being. To have a way to deal with guilt and shame and to have assurance of forgiveness is a basic need in every human heart. David says, here's the key right here. Bless the Lord for getting none of his benefits. He pardons how many of our iniquities? <laughs> pardons all our iniquities. One thing I was reading about uh, forgiveness I found kind of fascinating that we need to be forgiven. And uh, one psychiatrist asked 500 people, What do you experience when you are feeling guilty? Uh, One person said, I'm scared of what's ahead. Another person says, my mind has a tendency to kick itself. You ever felt that way? I have. Um, I have a feeling of impending punishment. I feel like a raunchy person, a complete failure. Anyone else ever felt that way? I feel unworthy, no value, somewhat inferior. I feel dirty and stained. I feel bitter like an awful person, sad and sorry. I feel terrible, like nobody loves me, especially God. I feel disliked for myself, not accepted. I feel separated, like I don't want to show my face to people. And so you and I live among people all around us that experience guilt and shame and would express it in similar terms to those statements that I just read to you. And what those people need is hope. And in order to have hope, they need forgiveness. There's the word. And so they're not going to find the hope until they find forgiveness. And forgiveness is available in hundreds of places, right? Right? No, thank you, Ed. No! Forgiveness is found in one place. Where is it found? It's found in Jesus. And so here's, here's King David, 3,000 years ago, writing this song for us. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget none of His benefits. He pardons all of our iniquities. And it's out of that expression of forgiveness... that that all the rest of the benefits flow that we're going to explore in just a minute. So forgiveness is the first and most basic benefit that you and I have because of knowing Jesus. And that ought to get us excited. Somebody might even say, Amen! Amen! You and I, you and I are privileged to have... The forgiveness of God that removes guilt and shame. And sadly, many Christians still haven't figured that out. There are some who say, well, I know that the Bible says I'm forgiven, but I don't feel forgiven. And I would remind you that it's not about what you feel. It's about the facts of what this book says. Whether you feel it or not, if you've come to know Jesus, you've repented of sin, you've turned from sin, you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus as your sacrifice, you're forgiven, right? And then there's some Christians that still struggle... Because they still fail, they still fall short, they still sin, and in the midst of that, their sense is, I don't feel forgiven. And the the truth of what this book proclaims over and over again, and what David says in one simple sentence, he pardons all our iniquities. He's going to express it in a different way in just a moment. And so forgiveness is the first and most basic benefit. The second thing that impresses me as I reflect on this psalm is that forgiveness is the the result or the consequence of God's very character, His very nature. God's forgiveness of you and me is so consistent with the kind of God He is, right? Right? And so that's that's why David has these words that he uses uh, to describe God. He uses the word loving kindness. I think a couple of the translations, uh, is it the NIV, Bob, that says steadfast love? Bob's out there in the back. He, can you hear me back there, Bob? Is that right? ESV says that. I don't know. Uh, but loving kindness. And of course, I always like the fact that there's two words in the word loving kindness. There's the word loving and the word kindness. And so that that word loving kindness has the idea of of bowing the neck, kind of you think of the uh, Oriental Asian uh, bowing. It's the idea of bowing to, in courtesy to someone who's an equal. And so David describes our God as a God who's lovingly kind, merciful, uh, bowing if you will to an equal. I, I kind of like that idea, although I know I'm not equal, right? But God treats us with with loving kindness. Uh, He uses the word compassion. Some of the translations use use the word mercy. It's a very intimate word. Uh, One of the ideas in this root word is the idea of to fondle something. And so he says, our God is a God who loves intimately. Aren't you glad for that? He's a God who loves, He's compassionate. Uh, He uses the word gracious to describe our God. Uh, Again, this is a word that speaks of stooping down in kindness. Uh, I love the word slow to anger. Aren't you glad God's slow to anger? You know, uh, uh, most of us aren't always slow to anger. You know, anyone drive on the freeways this last week and find yourself kind of quickly drawn to anger? People are so stupid, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Don't they teach people how to merge on the freeway? You don't merge into 75 mile an hour traffic at 35 miles an hour. It won't work. But our God is slow to anger. Uh, the, The Hebrew word literally is long nostrils. And, and the idea is, uh, when you get angry, your breathing is affected. And your breathing gets a little deeper and longer. And, 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 and David says, our God takes a long time to get angry. He's slow to anger. I'm glad he's slow to anger with me. <laughs> he also describes him with this phrase, abounding. Abounding in loving kindness. I think the word loving kindness occurs in these verses I read, verses 1 through 14, three times. How important is loving kindness? It's part of who our God is. He's a God who is lovingly kind, merciful, gracious, compassionate, <laughs> abounding, overflowing in loving kindness. That's the kind of God we have. And that's why He's so quick to forgive. That's why He's so slow. <laughs> To be angry. And you and I benefit from the fact that our God is gracious, merciful, lovingly kind, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. Forgiveness is consistent with the very character and nature of God. Do you notice how people around you, maybe you don't have the same conversations I do, People have some really weird ideas about God. Some people have this image of God as kind of an angry, hostile person who's just looking stop doing that. Is that your idea of God? A God who's angry, a God who's filled with wrath, a God who wants to punish and judge. That's not that's not the God I know not the God I know some people have the idea that uh, God if he created this if he created all this he's, he's kind of distant he's gone he, he created this mess and left and if you understand anything that this book teaches you and I benefit from a God who is personal a God who is near a God who is caring A God who is a God of love. We have benefits far beyond beyond what Kaiser can promise me. Far beyond. This far, far beyond. Forgiveness is consistent with the very nature and character of God. And then the third idea that um, impresses me here, I'm sorry, David. I just realized I've bounced around through a couple of the slides you have. That's okay. You'll, you'll get them up and figure it out. Um, my third big idea is this. Forgiveness is the basis of all of God's dealings with His children. Everything that God does, every benefit that you and I have, is, a, is an outflow of the fact that God's forgiven us. Forgiven. and so for david he describes it in terms first of what god does not do and and so my translation says he does not strive the idea of that word to strive is the idea of to grapple or wrestle he, he's not in this wrestling match with us um If you have the old King James, and I think the ESV this morning, where mine says he does not strive, does yours say he does not chide? There's an old English word that's about 400 years old. And the idea of chiding is the idea of scolding. We don't have a God who scolds us. We have a God who forgives us. Uh, He says, not only does he not strive with us, he says also... He does not keep his anger forever. Is it I think it's the NIV that says he does not harbor his anger. I kind of like that. We humans we humans have a tendency to kind of hang on to our anger. We we cherish it, we nurture it, we feed it, we fuel it. We enjoy it. Tell me, I'm not the only person that does that. And th- the truth about our God is, he-, he doesn't keep His anger. He doesn't harbor it. He doesn't nurture it. He doesn't do that. That's what David says. We have a God that does not do that. Not only is He slow to anger, abounding in love and kindness, He doesn't always strive with us. He doesn't harbor, nourish, treasure His anger forever. He's not dealt with us according to our sins. We do sin. We miss the mark. Nor has He rewarded us according to our iniquities. Aren't you glad? He doesn't do those things. What does our God do? He loves us and forgives us. And where David goes next is he has this phrase, he removes <laughs> he removes our transgressions. And so, he goes on from this list of what God does not do. He doesn't strive, doesn't keep His anger, hasn't dealt with us according to our sins. He go, then in verse 11, he talks about what God does do. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness toward those who fear Him. I call this God's geometry. He talks about the height... Of God's loving kindness. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so far <laughs> His loving kindness toward us. How far is that? Well, scientists have been trying to measure our galaxy <laughs> for decades. And then there's other galaxies and other universes out there, right? And, and David says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so, so far as his loving kindness is great and then he says not only the height he talks about as far as the east is from the west so far as he removed our transgressions from us Uh, I call that the height that's the width as far as the east is from the west if you start traveling east and you keep going east when do you finally change directions and go west never as long as you're headed east, you'll always be going east. The word "remove" is, a, is an interesting, um, interesting word in the Hebrew language. It's the idea of to widen something, to 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 widen the gap. So the Scriptures tell us, "All we like sheep have gone astray; we've turned everyone to his own way." Right. And so we have this burden, if you will, of of disobedience, rebellion, what the Bible calls sin. And David says, God widens. He removes those transgressions and creates distance. They're gone. That's our God. They're gone. Not only does he talk about, as far as the east is from the west... um, just to add to my geometry for you for a minute. Um, In Micah 7.19, it says, He has cast our sins into the depths of the sea. What do we cast consciously into the depths of the sea? Well, it's been in the news lately. There are um, barrels somewhere off the coast of California. There are barrels of radioactive waste at the bottom of the ocean. Why do they put it there? Can't retrieve it. That's the place of no retrieval. The east and west is the place of no return. Depths of the sea is the place of no retrieval. And once a year, typically once a year, I'll read in the newspaper that the uh, Los Angeles Police Department and Sheriff's Department have loaded a barge down with weapons that they've seized during the last year. And they load all of these weapons, all kinds of guns and rifles and weapons. I know, Brian, that's hard to hear. All that stuff being hauled out to the ocean, dumped. Why did they haul all those weapons out into the ocean and dump them over? And why do they pick a place that's incredibly deep to do that? They don't just dump them off the shore where the water's 12 feet deep. Why do they haul them out there and drop them? Can't retrieve them. They're gone. <laughs> and so that's, that's what uh, what Micah says. God has, has taken our sin and placed it in the depths of the sea. So we have the height of God's loving kindness, the width of, of uh, east from west, and now we have the, the depth of of the oceans, and to complete my geometry, uh, the length in Isaiah thirty-eight seventeen, it says that he has cast our sin behind his back. What's true of things that are behind your back? Can't see them. Don't think about it. So that's why we have that clock behind your back. Of course, you all have a phone or a watch or something, so it doesn't work. But why is that clock front and center right there? That's so I can see it. You're right. And I'm supposed to pay attention to that, right? And you probably notice we never pay attention to that. But it's there for that reason. And so, as you think about God's forgiveness, this geometry, He says as high as the heavens are above the earth is God's loving kindness toward us. He's, He's... taken our sin as far as the east is from the west he's cast it into the depths of the sea he's thrown it behind his back and why does he do that why does he do that he loves us but it's interesting if you read the rest of verse 14 he tells us exactly why he does it as a father what he what he loves His children. That's a New Living Translation. As a father, He has compassion. And then the next part says He knows our frame. What's the Living Bible say there, Ed? Weak. How weak we are. And He knows... How does He know that you're just dust? Because why? He formed us. So... so. God knows. I remember when my kids were little and they would do stuff and really tick me off. You know, pastors get ticked off too. Um, My wife would remind me periodically, now, now, they're just dust. They're just dust. Okay, I I, I get that, I think. They're, They're just dust. And so when God forgives, He gives completely, And eternally. And his forgiveness should be at the very top of the list of benefits that we think about. When we think about how how do we benefit from following Jesus? How do we benefit from a a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? How do we benefit from the creator of the universe? What, What benefits do we have? At the very top of the list should be, he's forgiven me. I'm forgiven. And everything else flows out of that because it's consistent with His very character, His very nature is a God who is abounding in loving kindness, compassionate, slow to anger, and that whole list that David goes through. And so we respond this morning because we have a God who loves us, a God who's intimately caring for us, and He demonstrates that in forgiving us. When we come to Him... Repenting and turning from our sin and putting our faith and our trust in Jesus, trusting what He did at the cross for us, the Bible says you are forgiven. And so, one of the logical questions I ask myself as I reflect on this, and I think I've written all these in your notes for you this morning, what do you do in response to God's great forgiveness? How do you respond to that? The obedience on my list. You got it. So the first thing I put on my list was bless the Lord with all you've got. Praise Him loud and long. And as our first song we sang this morning, remember the good things that God has done. Remember what He's done. And my second idea that I suggest is just this week, just for seven days, keep a list. Keep a a pen and a paper somewhere where you can jot down... How did you benefit this week? What did God do for you this week? Keep a journal. Keep a prayer list. Write it down. How did you benefit? So He not only has done good things for you in the past, He's doing good things for you today, and, and the good news is He's going to keep on doing good things. Are you paying attention? Don't be oblivious to what God is up to. Men's Bible study on Tuesday night just started a study in the book of Esther. And the whole of the book of Esther, all ten chapters, requires you to kind of look behind the curtain and see God at work, though He's never named. He's active. He's doing. He's got this. He's got this. He's got this. But He's never named. He's never seen. He's, he's behind the curtain. And that's true in your life and my life today. He's always at work. Maybe never named. Maybe never seen. But He's there. Pay attention. Keep a list. Uh, Respond with a life of obedience. Someone just said that for me. Fear Him and obey Him. Maybe encourage a discouraged friend who has failed. Maybe there's someone you know that's fallen short, failed, struggling with a sense of being loved and forgiven because of something they've done or not done. Is there someone in your life that needs to be encouraged? God loves and forgives. Share with an unsaved friend who needs to hear about forgiveness. I told you earlier, psychologists say that one of the most basic human needs, if not the most important, is the need for forgiveness. You and I are surrounded, surrounded by people with guilt and shame that need to experience God's forgiveness. We don't see them that way. We see them in their Mercedes and their nice homes and nice clothes. and They need God's forgiveness. Uh, my last thought is, if you've never received God's forgiveness, this is a great day to do that. Turn from sin, put your faith and trust in Jesus, inviting Him to come into your life, forgive you and empower you and enable you to, to follow Him. I said earlier, there's only one place (laughs) that you can find forgiveness. And we have a God who forgives completely and eternally. And that should cause us to rejoice. There was a Christian pastor a couple of hundred years ago named James Oatman. And uh, really became a pastor following in the footsteps of his father that he admired. His father was a musician and a soloist and sang for the Lord. And he, he followed his dad into ministry and just, he always felt kind of a little out of step. Is this really where God wanted him to be? At about the age of 35, he began writing songs, hymns. Uh, very prolific hymn writer. Many times writing upwards of 200 songs a year. And one of the songs that he wrote is one that would be familiar to many of us today. And sadly, he uses the word blessing, not the word benefits. And I've been trying to figure out how to fix that. But the title of the song is Count Your Blessings. Or in my language say Count Your Benefits. Now we have a shortened version of the word benefits, Right. Do you have that working knowledge in your vocabulary? The word benefits can be shortened down to one syllable, and that one syllable is bennies, right? We have bennies. Come on, am I the only person that knows this fact? Getting all these blank stares. Two of us, thanks, I appreciate it. And so... <sighs> I told you, I'm a word person. <laughs> Not a math person. (sighs) You can always tell I'm a word person, not a math person. And so if you know this song, I think David's going to put the words up for us. Um, If if you're in in sync with me, um, is that big enough print for you all back there? We need to get the older people to sit closer with that small print, right? Can you read that, Bonnie? There's only one Bonnie. Okay, well... You'll have to go with your memory. So, the song kind of goes like this. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, When you are discouraged thinking all is lost, Count your many bennies, and it will one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Count your bennies, name them one by one. Count your bennies, name them one by one. Count boy, I sure messed that up. So, count your bennies, name them one by one. Count your bennies, see what God has done. Count your bennies, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Why is it? Why is it that you were not surprised this last week at what God was doing? Because we weren't paying attention. And I just wonder with this thought of David's. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of His benefits. And so I want to restate it positively. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and remember all His benefits. And so my encouragement to you in the week ahead whether you keep a written list, pay attention. What's God up to? What's He doing? Because you have benefits far beyond Kaiser and the Postal Credit Union. You have benefits because of Jesus in your life. And if you can't respond to that simple thought with joy, and excitement and enthusiasm, kind of where we started with Hoshwe's introduction this morning. You know, we come to church. Are we excited to be here like we would be if we were at the Dodger game? I hope so. And so, Lord, we join our hearts together this morning and we say thank you. Thank you for all the benefits that we have. Thank you for the fact that you have pardoned our iniquities. Thank you for the fact that you have removed our transgressions far from us. Thank you for the promise that your loving kindness is as high and as big and as tall as the distance between the earth and the heavens. Thank you for the promise that you've cast our sins into the depths of the sea. You've put them behind your back. You've separated them as far as the east is from the west. And Lord, we would confess this morning we are so slow. So slow to fully appreciate all that You've done for us. So slow to acknowledge the forgiveness that You've given to us. And Lord, maybe that's because we don't see the awfulness of sin the same way You do. You tell us You're so holy You can't even look upon sin. And we look, we tolerate, sometimes we even enjoy sin. And so, Lord, give us a fresh appreciation for the depth and width and height and length of your great love and the forgiveness that you benefit us with. And we give you thanks together in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.